name is Shandy Chernow, and you're listening to the Shandyland podcast. I am very excited to have my very first three-peat guest, Chef Joel Schaefer, co-founder of Your Allergy Chefs and co-author of At Home with Your Allergy Chefs, which is their brand new book. Joel, thank you so much for being here again. I really appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate you making the time to have me come back on your show. And I didn't know I was your first three-peat, so I'm excited. Yeah. Hopefully it'll be four and five. So uh, I, love, <laughs> well, I love chatting with you, you know. Keep and, new things coming. We'll keep talking. That's it. It's all so, about putting out new stuff. Yeah, if, if anybody hasn't heard the first two episodes, I looked it up. They're numbers 14 and 26, so that you can hear Joel and his wife Mary's backstories on why they became interested in allergies, how it affects their lives, all those things. So we're not going to rehash all of the fun things there, right? Because we've already talked about it. By the way, episode 26 is pretty cool because I kind of drilled you on all of your chefy knowledge with regard to substitutions, right? Yes, so how do you take a recipe and make it friendly for whatever your allergens are. And we went through everything in a bag of chips from a substitutions perspective. I remember writing that list. It was insane. Yeah. And, and I still haven't figured out chocolate. I was thinking <laughs> about that before. I said, is she going to ask that again? Because no. I don't have a substitute for chocolate. Not today. But not today. You have taken all of your chefing experience and all of your allergy experience. And now you have written a cookbook. At home with your allergy chef, subtitled Cooking Up Gluten-Free and Allergen, sorry, Allergy-Friendly Meals Everyone Will Enjoy. What's the inspiration to take all of your uh, collective knowledge and put it into this format? Well, you know, um, so first of all, I, I back I started my first business called Allergy Chefs Incorporated, which is more focused on food service. And as it, you know, we kept growing that and doing stuff with food service, and we're like, well, we're still sort of missing out on the consumer. Right. I mean, and then a few years ago, when we both came across it, we really had food allergies before we had sensitivities and we were found out we had food allergies. Hey, we need to really refocus what we do and take care of ourselves at the same time. But let's how can we help the consumer with some great recipes, giving our skills as chefs and how to make it easy? Because the hardest thing for most people, especially with food allergies, is having to cook all these meals. Right. So mm -hmm. how can we give them tricks? and tips and advice on being a chef, but you don't have to be a chef to do this, but how can we give those tips to them? So that's part of the inspiration of it. Um, and then we sort of changed our focus from a bit uh, uh, food service focus to a focus more on consumer. Um, so we changed our business to your allergy chef. So we're your allergy chefs and started building it. We built a new website and we started doing recipes for people with food allergies, multiple, all the top nine and gluten. And we wanted to take the most common foods that people would eat that would go to a friend's house or a family's house or go out to a restaurant like chicken tenders or corn dogs or sloppy joes, right? And we tried to find the difficult ones that had as many allergens as possible that they would avoid and recreate that in the dish that they can enjoy yeah. and taste like the same as you would get in a restaurant or something you would buy like at a, a, or you'd go to someone's house and have chicken tenders. How can you do it yourself and taste just as good? That was our inspiration. So walk me through the process of doing this. I mean, you have to choose all the recipes, go through the testing of them, kind of perfect and tweak, 
write the books that, I mean, you guys created so much additional content around just the recipes and then publishing it. Talk me through kind of all those things. And I'm sure I'll interrupt you 43 times. Okay. So 43, I'll keep going. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, you really, we, we looked at, you know, it was a lot of research, first of all, and it looked at what we like to eat when we were eating different foods. It's okay. What is the research for those families with food allergies? So, you know, we, we use resources like uh, food allergy research and education. So we use some of the, the major uh, businesses that deal with food allergies. We researched books, you know, went online and looked at all the other competition out there. And we said, okay, you know, some people are eliminating gluten, some are eliminating milk, eggs. Let's do all of them. Let's cover all of them. So, and what is most common? So we like chicken tenders and those are all common stuff, right? And then we also looked at, well, what if it, they don't have kids and they're just adults that have food allergies? So what if we make a really nice, you know, a meat sauce or a tomato sauce or something that may have an allergen in it and eliminate it for those families that are not just with kids, but just adults, like couples. So that's why you'll see a mix of kid-friendly foods and regular foods. And then we started working through them. And I think the hardest part about that was deciding what to do. So Which we ones pick to pick? Yeah, what do you pick? I mean, you could pick, you know, hundreds and thousands of recipes. So we just started plugging them in. We said, okay, let's do this. And we wouldn't just make it once. We would make it multiple times. Oh, I'm sure. Because, you know, we, we find that the, the challenges we have found as chefs, we're just a consumer, is you go on the wet internet and you pull a recipe and you think it works and then you make it. And it's like, what happened? There's something wrong with the recipe, you know? Not everybody is a skilled recipe developer or can write a recipe properly or can test it or they just sort of make it. Oh, it's good. And then well, I would think you guys website. have to make it a few times just to figure out kind of how you want it to be and then make it literally following the recipe that you've written. Like yep. no, no additional brain power, no additional knowledge. Or do you give it to somebody else who isn't you? To try well, we've done we've done that. That's a great point because that's something that's really good for anybody that wants to do this as a recipe book. So we we did do most of it ourselves, but we gave it to some people we knew. Hey, try this recipe out. So we would develop it. We make it three or four times. We we both agree. Hey, this is this is it. This is there's nothing wrong with it. It tastes perfect. All the temps work. All the prep. And then we went back to it. And then one of us would just make it step by step wouldn't change mm -hmm. anything wouldn't as you said wouldn't think it through i'm a, i'm a consumer i'm someone at home i'm making it and how did it turn out it's like wow it worked and the other thing i, I want to tell people if they're going to write a book and do a cookbook is once you get it don't second guess yourself <laughs> and we learned that from other authors that did great books once you have it don't think you can change it why you got it you wrote it down it's perfect don't change it it's done and that's when we to left the next it. one yeah, and once it went on the website, some were on the website, some we kept on the side. So we have a mix of recipes from our website and mix of recipes that we had on the side. And that's, you know, that was the sort of the process. So it wasn't a quick one. It took us about four or five years to really put this together before we decided, hey, now we have the content to put it into a book. That's awesome. So after the, so did you guys do the taste testing and the recipe testing or did you, you know, outsource and treat everybody else? Well, yeah, sometimes we would. We'd have people come over and we'd say, hey, let's make this stuff for you. Say, oh, God, we know that's allergy friendly. Well, I know that, but come over and try it anyways. The whole point we were, is that it you know, should be tasty, right? 
Yeah. And they were like, wow, this is pretty amazing. I said, yeah, you don't, just because it doesn't have this doesn't mean it's not good. And, you know, in the 10 years or 15 years since I've been doing food allergies, the ingredients we have are so much better now, right? If you're using substitution, like substitutions of milk, or you're using flax, you know, flax eggs, or you can use other, other binders, they are so much better than they used to be. So you don't leave like gluten-free, you don't leave that as much starchy or chalky flavor anymore because we've had time to test it out. So I think at this point with more books coming out in this realm of food allergies and special diets, the quality of the finished product is much better than it used to be in the past. So, you know, and if we liked it, we thought it was great. We were, we were happy with it because we're not going to put anything we don't like with our name behind it. So um, we're very confident with it and we know our recipes work. You know, we've, we've put our years of our culinary experience as her, as my wife is a pastry chef and I as a chef and all of our research and development that we know these recipes work. And we've actually been getting a lot of feedback from people that have bought the book and said, man, this is tried and true. It works. We love it. Everybody's happy in the family. And that was the goal. Everybody can eat it. You don't have to make different meals anymore. So what about the writing piece? You have the history of recipes or dishes in there. You've got all sorts of tips and tricks, which I think is really cool. Kind of towards the back, there's a big section about, mm-hmm. you know, tips and tricks. How do you go about deciding what to include? Okay. We're going to do a history of every recipe as opposed to, you know, an anecdotal story or something like that. How do you decide what kind of the structure that you want to present to the world is? Well, I, I think that when we looked at this book compared to my first book that I did, mine was more training and development and more background. This was enough information for the for the family to learn about food allergies. So we kept it simpler. We didn't get into all the science. And we brought in just the stuff that we know works, like the ingredients and the stuff that we know works into the book. And then the 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 tips are like the the uh, original where they were called the rules, but there's really no rules. There's I think tips, they're right? in there is like culinary basics or something. Uh, like culinary that. basics. Yeah. yeah. So we we looked at the stuff that you would normally do that that covers a procedure in a recipe. Because many people pick up a book or pick up a recipe online, they start reading something and they I don't understand what that means. And there's no description or explanation of what saute means or what stir fry means. So in the sure. back, you can go back and say, hey, oh, I read this. I don't understand. I'm not a chef. Well, let me look in the back. Oh, here, this is what it means. This gives me a better understanding of saute, high heat, small amount of oil, moving quickly. So we wanted to give that educational piece in there so that they can follow the recipe if they have a question in it. And the other part you asked about, you know, the little blurbs and the little Mm -hmm. statements in there, Mary did a lot of research in that area. So when she did all of her research and she did most of the research on the recipe format part, like here's a recipe, let me look at all these different and the history. and, And we like to give people a little history behind like the Joe special, you know, where did it come from? but there was also a personal connection there. So if there was a personal connection, then we would put something personal in it because it is a personal book in a way. It's our our own journey with our own food allergies mm-hmm. and our experience and how we can share that with others. So you can sort of connect with us in the book at the same time as you're, you're making these recipes. Yeah, I think it's it's great. And then probably the hardest part, how do you get it published? How does that process work? Well, you know... We did I don't a self publish. Why the other parts are easy, by the no, way. No, <laughs> it, it, you know that actually was one of the easier parts. It's really you have to select the company that you want to go with because there's many 
self-publishing companies out there. So we did some research in different ones and we came across Outskirts Press. We thought that was the best one, reasonably priced. They had a lot of good packages. And we said, let's do this ourselves. You know, let's, let's try to be self-published authors and see how that works. And, you know, getting the information to them was, was easy. They were, had it set up. We had people connect with. They told us how to do the format because there's a certain way you lay it out so that for the, they can put it into a book format. Right. And it wasn't hard. It's like a Word document process and lining it up and everything. So that wasn't too hard. The hardest part was the editing piece because we had to be, they would look through it, but they would move stuff around and lay it out. And then we would have to go back and re-edit it a little bit. So we were also the editors of the book. So that's something that's, and if you have someone else publish it, they edit the book. So you are in charge of editing. So you're taking more of the responsibility to yourself. Um, and that's the challenge is making sure it's laid out. And then the one hard part that you have a choice to do it, you can put an index in the back. And we chose to do a very simple index because the cost of having an index done by a company is pretty expensive. I bet. So she did research on what is the best and the simplest way. And we came across a super simple way. We don't need to have all the little words that you're looking for. I just want you to find the recipe. So putting the index and matching the, the recipe with the number in the book, once it's laid out, that's probably one of the most difficult parts of finalizing the book is making sure when you look here, it's on that page. What well, once was page 47 is now 49 and everything is yes. off. Because <laughs> if you make edits, it moves. So your index is yeah. your ultimately last thing you're going to do in the book when you self-publish. Yeah. One of my favorite things about this book is in the back where you put together, um, like meals, right? Like here's mm -hmm. your Mexican fiesta meal, or here's your, you know, all the kids are coming over meal because the book is separated kind of like a, you know, most cookbooks, appetizers, pasta and rice, whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. But then you guys put it together for those of us who are not, you know, coordinators of food. Thank mm -hmm. you. Well, yeah, you want to have, I mean, you shouldn't just have a book of just recipes. You have a book of meals. So a meal is multiple dishes. It's an appetizer, an entree, or a soup or something. So we wanted to make sure it was laid out that way. So if you wanted to, oh, how do I put all this together? You just flip in the back. Hey, I can have a party. Oh, I got all the recipes I need. I have all the information in there for me to do this. And that makes it simple. So I'm glad you, you, you like that because I think that's a really cool part of the book. I thought that was pretty cool. I mean, there's other books that are kind of created that way, mm -hmm. but then it's hard to think about, well, what if I don't want that appetizer and I want to use a different one? You don't have like a list of appetizers, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. And so I like that that you kind of give us both options, which is pretty neat. Um, yeah. Also that you give recommendations for some of the products that maybe people don't have in their pantries by default. Yeah. Yeah, it's good to uh, sort of give people other options. Now, what we know about the food allergy community is, is they're still going to want to do the final research on the product itself, right? So we give suggestions like, you know, we may use this flour, but you know what? Maybe you can't use that flour. So you have other options in there. So by giving them additional resources, it's not that I'm stuck with this flour or I'm stuck with this ingredient. I can maybe find a different one that I have in my home that I can utilize for it. So let me ask you a question around that. I know we did a whole episode on substitutions and I don't mean yes. to relitigate that, but let's say I'm not gluten-free 
and I don't have all the different kinds of flours that you guys use in some of these recipes. Is it a one-to-one, like all the floury stuff, just a regular old flour or like same question goes for kind of the dairy products, same amount of cheese, same amount of. It's the same amount. We kept it equal. So, cause when you, when you do recipe dessert research, we looked at regular recipes that had the allergens. And then we looked at allergen friendly recipes. And then we used our chef's experience to find out what is the equal amount. And in general, cheese for cheese is the same. Milk for milk is the same. Flour for flour is the same. Because the blends that we use for flour equal an equal amount of cup for cup. See, that opens up quite a few of these to my pantry. Because my pantry is much simpler than yours. Yeah, because you don't have to have allergies to everything to use the book. You can say, oh, I can have just milk or I can use eggs. So don't use flax, use eggs, right? Also one-to-one volume-wise? Yeah, so you'll look, there's tips in there. And most of the, so Mary would put little tips from Chef Joel or Chef Mary that if you're using this, well, you can still use this, right? So that you know that, oh, I I don't have an allergy to eggs. So if I'm using, oh, can I use it? Oh yeah, I can use one egg to that amount of egg in there or two eggs to that amount of eggs in there. That is definitely good to know. Now, where is the archive of the recipes that didn't make it? And is that going to be book number two? Well, that'll be in cookbook number two, I should say. Yeah, that'll be in our next cookbook. So we're already looking at um, doing more of a plant-based cookbook. Uh, That's sort of our next adventure. We've been, we've been dabbling in that for the last few years. And we know that it's a very common thing and, and you can eliminate many allergens by going plant-based. So we do have some of those. uh, And then we may even have another book after that, because we are always in the constant flux of, of developing recipes. Um, a lot of the development comes from what I call the refrigerator chef. Is you open that refrigerator and you're like, ooh, what do I have in here? Pull it out, lay it out. And we follow the same process when we do development as we cook at home. We bring it out, we line it up on a tray, we look at it, we see what the portions is, we see what can I make. Like the other night I made a rice, a stir-fried rice dish, and I had all these leftover stuff that I had chopped up, measured it out, made it, and it was fabulous. So because we also want to be able to say to the you know customer or the consumer, here's a book. But if you make a lot of these recipes, you're going to have a little leftover stuff that you can make another recipe in the book. Because the refrigerator chef, everybody's that. Every day you open the refrigerator, what am I going to make for dinner tonight? I'm going to pull out my familiar ingredients that I use, and I might make a pasta dish. I might make a stir fry dish. I might make a soup out of it. Now that, so that's awesome, right? Like to put at the bottom, like now, if you have leftovers of these things, go to page 64 and make that tomorrow. (laughs) Yep. That could be the next book because that's that's how you cross utilize your ingredients because you're not going to buy one garlic clove. How many times have I said out loud to myself in the middle of the day, oh, my children are going to want to eat again tonight. (laughs) Like I have to figure it out. And I think that's one of the hardest things for a non-chef. Right. I do it like, give me something I've made before. Give me an easy recipe. I can succeed sure. at making it. Sure. But I, I have the hardest time looking at the refrigerator pantry and going, aha. Right. So, so connecting those dots would be super useful. Well, you know, and, and how I connect the dots is how I just said. So when you're connecting, you know, talking about your leftovers, a soup is easy to put leftovers together. Right. Cause it's, you have some type of liquid, like a broth in your cooler, or you might have an open broth in your refrigerator. Because we buy vegetable broth. We make mm-hmm. it once in a while, but we buy it. You know, you can have a can of tomatoes in there. You can have a can of beans. You can have some frozen vegetables. 
some diced onions and garlic, you got a soup right there, right? A saute dish is the same way. You can have chopped vegetables and stuff. You can just saute it all up, cook some pasta, put a little bit of olive oil and balsamic vinegar and toss it together, you have a pasta dish. It's not that you have to like, oh my God, I have to have a name for the recipe. I sure. just want to have, how do I, you know, break those down? So, you know, when you do your meal planning during the week, the thing about the meal planning is as you're prepping the stuff, you know, you keep everything organized as much as you can in the refrigerator is as you get towards that one day where I am so tired, like you said, I have to cook something. <laughs> That's every I can day. Just bring, I can bring, yeah, I can bring it out. I can make a soup. I can make a saute dish or a pasta dish with pretty much everything I have in my refrigerator by just cooking it all together and seasoning it and throwing some pasta on there or some beans or some rice. That's something really simple. And everybody's going to love it because it's everything you've been eating most of the week anyways. Totally. I think it's so cool. So you had mentioned when we were kind of talking in the in the front of the show about the pros and cons of doing the self-published versus the publisher published. Yeah, having a publisher do it. <laughs> like, I don't know what the opposite of self-published is <laughs> now that I have to put it. <laughs> well, yeah. so my first book was I had a publisher. So they approached me to write the book and they said, you write the content, we will handle the rest. Right. So once my content was in the format they wanted, they pretty much did everything. They marketed it. I had to do some, but they did most of the marketing on it. They had it ready to go. So and you have less money up front. Because they make more of the money, you like less royalties when they handle the cost up front. Self-publish, you are putting the cost up front and your royalties are higher. So for more books, you sell the more money you make so you can get your ROI back on a self-published more than you can on a published one because you don't get as much of the royalties from a publisher doing it because but they you did have, all the work. But you're fronting the cost of kind of the initial inventory. What do they yeah. call it? A run, the initial run yeah. of the book, right? There is an initial run. Yeah. And what's great about self-published, most self-publishers publish on demand now. So they don't publish a thousand books. You get an order, they publish a book, they print it, and they ship it off. Like one at a time? Yeah, one at a time. You get an order in, they may have a small stock, but they're not keeping a par on because it's so easy to publish them. Once they get an order, they push the button, it does the printing process, they get it in the queue, they get it packaged, they get it sent off. Who'd have thunk? Yeah, because like Amazon may have 20 books. They may order in their warehouses that they see it selling, they may bring 20, 40 books in, right? I'll order 20. When it gets down, then they'll order more. But the printer is not printing out thousands of books unless it's on a pre-order, like Amazon will order. So it's on Amazon, it's on Barnes and Noble. So they may buy a small pack to see how it sells. And if it sells, well, they'll keep ordering it. Hmm. Who'd have thought? Hmm? I guess my knowledge of book publishing is pretty non-existent. So the, the pros of doing it yourself, you make more of the money, right? Mm-hmm. But the pros of doing it the other way or that you have to do less of the work and the publicity and kind of the yep. brute forceness of it. Exactly. You have to just write. I mean, you're still doing all the writing and we did all the photography for that book. Oh, wow. So our latest one, we did all the food styling. So everything from that book is us. We did the food styling, the food photography, all the cooking. We didn't farm it out to anybody. So it's all us in that book. Do you have one of those little like white light boxes and you put the food in it to take the pictures? Well, no, we actually have like big white backdrops and white tables and we have dome lights if we want them. Um, 
tripods, you know, the whole. So we did a lot of investment in doing this, especially when we started the website business, is to do the photography in a professional manner. Um, people want to see nice pictures. And that's the other challenge is when you put a book together is what photos do you put in it? Because there's, there's only so many photos you can put in a book unless you pay a lot of money because the more photos you put in, the more it costs for them to put it in. I am so definitely be- more likely to try a recipe that I can see because my brain doesn't work that way, right? The title of it doesn't necessarily make me think, ooh, that sounds delightful, right? But I look at it and go, oh, I know what that is. That looks amazing. Well, and that's why when we, we laid this out, when Mary laid this out, she was the latest. She was very diligent that almost every so other page or recipe has a photo. Yeah, so there's a lot. When you look like, wow, that's pretty, hey, that's, wow, that looks good. And something that wouldn't really need a picture, we didn't put a picture in it. But stuff that like, hey, we really want to let you, like the chicken tenders, we want to show you what these look like. Because if you're going to make these for your kids, they better look good because they're not going to want to eat them, Right. So we, it was, it was, that was sort of the hard part too, was, you know, getting them in the right spot. So when you're looking through the book, it's like, there's some visual aspects because food is visual. It's a visual thing. You want it. Does it make me hungry when I look at it? Does it look delicious? And I'm probably going to make it. There, there's a recipe in there that looks so good. It also looks so much like I will fail at it, which is the poached pears with the crepes. <laughs> well, <laughs> Crepes can be a challenge, right? Even if, and when they're gluten-free and uh, no eggs, then they can be more of a challenge. But, you know, those crepes are pretty amazing. Um, it is a practice thing. And crepes, it, I mean, you could make a pancake instead. It'd be a lot easier if you tried to make a crepe. But I have a little crepe maker that I, I flip upside down into it. Like you have a little pile of batter and I have this little cordless machine that you go. Oh, perfect. I'm sure no chef would ever use, but it works for me. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. I have three waffle irons. So Perfect. I love, I mean, I love tools. So I, I'm all about tools. So you, if you need a tool, buy the tool. And if it works for you, use it. Yeah. That thing works. I oh, love that little crate maker. It's poached so- pears is easy. Poached pear part is pretty easy. It's just preparing it. And then it's just, it's poached. It's very lightly cooked until it's nice and soft. So it's really not that hard. So pretty. Yeah, and it, it looks pretty. so delicious. It is. All right. So what's next? What, what's kind of the plan for the next five books or, you know, whatever work-wise um, for you guys at your allergy chefs? Well, so what we're doing is, is we, we are doing the second edition of Serving People with Food Allergies, my first book. So mm-hmm. we, we got approval to do the publisher. So we're going to update that with you know all the latest uh, recipes that we've been working on. This is more food service oriented for stuff for chefs, but, you know, even the consumer can get it. We're going to focus, we add sesame to the book and we're going to add uh, stuff about cooking at camps. Like if you want to run a camp, because we're actually working with a group called Camp Blue Spruce. We've been working with them for five years. So we're the chefs and consultants and we go work with them every year. And it's so totally fun. I bet. Um, We're going to put information in also about colleges because I work with FAIR on that. So we're going to be doing. So if you work in a college environment or you want to do camps, you'll have some information on how to actually run those operations because it's a little different than like a restaurant. Um, so that's one thing we're going to work on. We're working on uh, more of a plant-based cookbook, right? Bringing in how you're going to utilize, you know, the, the world of plants. I mean, there's so many cool plants out there and grains and beans and stuff like that. And we're going to keep it allergy friendly as much as possible. So not using nuts, probably using seeds more. So that people that, because there's a lot of people going plant-based and they may have allergies, how can we still make something that's balanced? 
that's the single um, most sizable barrier for me going plant-based is my nut allergy. Yeah. Because so many, uh, I mean, that's, that's where so many calories and fat and protein come from, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that focus goes more into seeds and like pumpkin seeds and sunflower seeds. You can do amazing stuff with that. Like the ranch dressing in the book has sunflower seeds hmm. to make ranch dressing and it's, that's vegan. Um, so that is, and it's, well, we make it probably once a week. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Oh yeah. So good. Um, so, you know, we're going to look at that and see how we can, you know, put out a really nice book in the same fashion as this with more tips and stuff that you can do there. Uh, we are, you know, continuing, you know, just our consulting with, you know, the, the camp that we're working with and, um, we're going to get more involved with the American Culinary Federation. Um, I've been involved with them for, we've both been involved for over 20 years and we're starting to get reconnected and, mm -hmm. and start doing some conferences and write some articles and maybe do some stuff for their magazine. So that's really excited about that. Um, and then and we then, love ACF. Yeah. You know, it, it's great. And, 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 you know, I was so active for many, many years. We both were very, very active. And then, you know, we just started moving and sort of got away and, and now I'm back at a culinary school again, teaching. So I'm back at my passion. Um, so that's really driving me to find a way to help the students and get back with the ACF and, and get the connection there because it, it's a greatest, great organization. And, and they got a great new president that just came in. So I see a lot of good things coming. So I'm excited about all that. So we're, we're here just to, you know, we just want to have fun. I mean, food allergies are, doesn't have to be scary. We know it is. It doesn't have to be threatening. You know, that's why we tried to put a book together that you can, can I make this for my whole family? Will everybody love totally. this? Yeah. And everything and, looks really, really good in there. You know, so, so that's, that's what our goal is. That's our plan. That's what we're doing. I like circling back to the book there. Tell everybody where they can buy it online and how they can connect with you. So at home with your allergy chefs, you're at home with us because these are recipes that we like to make at home, uh, can be found on Amazon. It also can be found on Barnes and Noble. Um, on our website, there's links uh, that take you to uh, another site that's through the, the publisher. So it's available in multiple ways. Uh, there's also eBooks available. If you just want to get an eBook, if you're not here in the United States, you can just pull one of those. It's great. It's like $5 for an eBook. Um, you can connect through us through our website uh, and then uh, cooking free at your allergychefs.com. You can send us an email. We're also through Instagram. You can follow our Instagram account. You can reach out. I mean, we just want to share information. You know? <laughs> Nothing's a secret. I mean, it's why. Why keep secrets? And well, we I'm going to ask you to keep a secret next. So tell us your okay. two truths and a lie, but don't tell us uh, the answer. Okay. Two truths. I should have thought of that earlier. <laughs> you knew it was coming. I, I know. A hundred uh, episodes later, you've forgotten. I, I forgot. I, I have to think. Okay. Um, my favorite food is tacos. I love evenings more than mornings. And I'm 20 years old. <laughs> I like it. All right. Well, thank you so much, Joel. I really appreciate you being here. The book is great. Everybody go to Amazon, buy a copy. Uh, and thank you for putting it together so that allergen-friendly needing people have a great resource to be able to have all sorts of tasty food. So thanks for being here. Listeners, thanks for sticking around. And this has been the Shandyland Podcast. As always, we will talk to you soon.